0: Psalm 96 declares, "O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And Father, we just humbly bow before you in an attitude of humility, recognizing we need your spirit and his grace to understand your word that you inspired and gave to us. So we pray that your same spirit that inspired these words would be the one now who instructs us, that helps us interpret and receive what your heart would want to say to us this morning as you gave this portion of scripture. Lord, we pray, take away anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of you in our lives or hinder us from being able to hear what the voice of your spirit would say to us. Speak to us, Lord. Bless your word as we study it together in an act of worship, believing there's something that you want to say to us. We ask you to speak to us in Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever had before that frustrating experience where maybe someone has done something or maybe a lot of things that are just really wonderful for you, and yet, The frustration is that then maybe you're not given the opportunity to kind of express your gratitude or maybe even properly give the appreciation that you'd like to in return or in response. Well, as I think about that, I think in some ways that's probably what it would be like for you and I as God's people if we were not given the privilege and the practice of this thing we know as singing to the Lord. As a way to be able to render appreciation and give to the Lord thanksgiving and honor i think really if we did not have the opportunity to sing to the lord we would lack a necessary avenue to be able to respond to him for the great things that he's done and just the great god that he is and so because of that god has instructed us as a part of a healthy relationship with him uh, to be able to worship him via this method of song Or singing, as our even first few verses of the psalm emphasize here, as a means to praise him. Now certainly, let me just say, certainly singing is not the only way whereby we can worship the Lord. The very first time the word worship appears in the Bible, Genesis 22, nobody has a guitar, nobody has a piano, and I don't think Abraham and Isaac were singing praise songs as they were walking up the mount, understanding that they were about to sacrifice Isaac out of obedience to God. There, the word worship, Abraham says, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and will return. Clearly, Abraham was saying, worship is me laying down my will and submitting fully to the will of God in faith. That's the essence of worship. And I think when we're worshiping in song, that's where we want our heart to come to, that our will is being laid down in that moment and we're adoring God as king in a way where our heart is submitting to him. So again, certainly music, singing, It's not the only form of worship, but certainly, that being said, it is one of the main ways and primary forms of worship that God has certainly clearly prescribed to us that it is a biblical and critical component of our worship life, and we cannot overlook the value and its proper place of importance in our lives as worshipers of God. Having received many elements of our Christian faith, Faith from the Jewish heritage, as a result of that, we as Christians have a singing faith. In fact, it's one of the things really that makes our faith uh, different than many other world religions that lack joy and life and celebration, is that we as Christians have a singing faith. In fact, the book of Psalms is basically a Jewish it's the Jewish songbook or praise book. And Psalm 95 and 96, particularly, clearly, are Psalms calling people into the worship of God. In fact, glance back, if you would, at Psalm 95. Just want to give this to you by way of uh, awareness. Look at Psalm 95. He says there, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Look down in verse six there. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now that sentiment continues on now as the holy spirit records psalm 96 which we're looking at this morning look with me back psalm 96 verse 1 our text he begins by saying here oh sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth Sing to the Lord, bless his name. So our psalm opens with notice a strong instruction and certainly a repetitious command here to worship God again via the method of song, via the avenue of singing as a worshiper. You notice there, it's kind of hard to miss, verse one and two, three times there's a repeated command and instruction, it's sing to the Lord. Now, as we have said before, remember, whenever we find statements repeated in Scripture, it's never because the Holy Spirit sort of got lost for words uh, and couldn't come up with some new thought, and so he accidentally began to get a little repetitious. That's what human preachers do sometimes, but that's not what the Holy Spirit's doing. In the precious space of God's Word, when you and I see things repeated, statements, phrases we need to realize that the purpose of that is very intentional. Again, imagine an all-wise God, an all-knowing God. Could you imagine how big our Bible really could be if God shared everything that he could share, that perhaps he wants to share for all of eternity? So when we see repetition in the Word of God, which is a book with much precious space, we know that the Holy Spirit is purposely using repetition and reiteration for a real focused reason. And it's the same reason that we as human beings do that as well. It's why parents repeat commands. It's why coaches constantly reemphasize certain points or instructions regarding play for how to go about things. It's why leaders and teachers will restate and repeat certain points or truths with their class. It's for the reason to make sure what the point is heard. It's to make sure that that point is driven home, cannot be missed, and that it is taken to heart to indicate that command or that truth or that principle's vital importance. And that it's something that should be embraced and really ingrained in a very faithful way. We'll hear the repeated command in God's Word. Look at it, and I'm going to repeat it because the Bible did. Three times he says, Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. A repeated command showing that that refrain, that command, is reiterated, as it is many times throughout the Old Testament, particularly in Psalms, indicating, like all other commands in the Bible, and this is another command like all other commands in the bible we are to obey and we're to follow that we are to sing to the lord as god's people who've experienced his work and have a relationship because this is the way whereby we responsively can render worship to god and it's the way god prescribed in one way that we are to worship him it's what god has given to us and apparently he finds pleasure in it now David what an incredible example King David if you remember was a mighty military warrior I mean this guy was a battle worn rugged you want to talk about the epitome of masculinity not a day when they were firing bombs from a distance or shooting guns I mean you're talking hand-to-hand combat I mean th- th- this guy was like the Rambo of ancient Israel right right But what was one of the other things David was very well known for? He was someone who sang to the Lord in worship. And he was someone who instructed and inspired others to do the same as well. I I bring that up because I understand there are those who say, well, I just don't really care for singing. I I just don't really care for singing. And quite honestly, truth be told, I'm not comfortable with it. Well, I would just say to that bottom line, you're too self-conscious. And in a sense, that self-consciousness is self-worship. It's the exaltation of yourself and your own comfort and what people would think of you or you feel about yourself. And let me just say, self worships not very good. So I would recommend, don't let that be a hindrance. And please take note, the Bible does not tell us to sing just to become musical. The Bible doesn't tell us to sing so that we can learn to appreciate the arts. Schools do that, right? You have to have gym, but you also have some of the arts and because they want to give the students a, a wide gamut of appreciating different things. That's not why we're told to sing, to, to appreciate it or, or to enjoy it. We don't sing for our own enjoyment or to impress or to bless others because that certainly wouldn't work if you sat next to some people, right? We're told to sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. To the Lord, not for our enjoyment or satisfaction. It's to be observed as a practice and a protocol because it's how He wants to be worshiped. And He has that prerogative. He's God. It's the way that He's told us to be a motivation for why we worship and for whom it's directed towards. So rendering worship in that process is something by faith. We have to just accept listen, that's what God said. And by faith, I accept everything else that God says. So if God saying, sing to me, then I want to sing to him. I want to sing to him. It's the least certainly that I could do is to sing to him as a form and practice of worship. Please take note as well, because we sing to the Lord, that also means that honestly, when we sing to the Lord, it's not something done in worship meetings, hear me, to make us feel good inside as if somehow we should measure worship by how the musical experience in the song service affected us emotionally and what it caused within us or what somehow we got out of it. And let's be very honest. Many people seek out even churches that they worship at with that as the primary basis. They want to find a worship service where they can be wowed or, or moved as if somehow it was, it was, what's, it's like a, going to a great concert. I was so moved. I was so wowed. And listen, I'm not trying to be cynical. There's nothing wrong with great quality music. There's nothing wrong with passionate, enthusiastic worship. I prefer it. I I promise you, I use self-control when I worship at times together with people because I don't want to stumble people who may not be as enthusiastic and, and make them feel weird. Just look at today. Go home, even if you don't, watch a professional football game. Watch people in the stands watch grown men 45 50 year old men wearing chunks of cheese on their head and when their team does well going yeah, yeah. but then some christians will say you know that hand raising thing that's kind of weird it's kind of weird but yet people for football do something that's very similar, great passion, great enthusiasm. Look, now certainly a byproduct, a benefit and blessing of musical singing and that portion of the worship service, that does reward us, I find, you find, with a benefit of experiencing the presence of God, right? And and when we do worship the Lord, we sense his presence, his joy, his peace flood our soul, we become yielded to the ministry of his spirit in our midst. But that's a byproduct. That's the secondary benefit and blessing and byproduct, but it's not the primary reason why we sing to the Lord. The primary purpose and reason we sing in worship is for the Lord, it's to him. We're singing to the Lord to give him praise and pleasure and honor and glory that he deserves. Let me say this as well, to be very practical. The singing portion of a worship service or a worship meeting is also not meaningless time filler to give opportunity for people to be able to arrive late at church. Now, if you observe how some Christians come into church services at most fellowships, not this one, I would never know. You almost get the sense that that's part of what the song service is about to allow grace time for people to, to slip in late or to come as late as they want. or and, and I look at that and I just tell you this as a Christian. I don't even say this as a pastor because I've been saved since 1992. I've been at many church services. This is nothing personal. If you're taking it personal, talk about God. I'm not trying to be critical here. I watch that and I see that and there's a part of me as a Christian that I go, but that's sort of sad. That's sort of sad that somehow we've embraced this mindset as God's people, that there's less importance to singing to the Lord in worship as there is being there to take in the Bible study, which is a part of worship too. And I can't help but to look at that and think, I don't think that's God's intention. I think God's intention that the whole experience of a worship service, the prayer, the singing, the, the giving, the, the, the you know, even the listening to the word of God and responding, that that's all a part of worship. And I would just say, if that fits the category for your life, you're missing a total worship experience that God intends when we assemble. I would encourage you to reevaluate that. That singing to the Lord is something he asks for, something that's important to him, and it's a part of the entire worship experience. The New Testament makes many references to singing as a primary form of worshiping the Lord. In Matthew 26, it says that Jesus and his disciples sang. It says, after communion, they sung a hymn. Boy, don't you wish that was recorded? Jesus' greatest hits. (laughs) After they had communion, they sung a hymn. I'm I'm convinced Jesus probably led. It was probably just an acapella. They just began to sing a hymn to the Father in heaven. Again, Jesus sang. That's interesting to see in his humanity. Acts 16 tells us at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners around them were listening ephesians 5 says that we should be using psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in our hearts to the lord notice singing and making melody in our hearts again it's not just the words it's the heart engaged in the worship process as we sing colossians 3 16 singing with grace in your hearts to the lord 1 Corinthians 14 is a chapter all about corporate worship meetings when God's people assemble together. And there, Paul says, I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my understanding. Hebrews 2, in the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And James 5, is anyone cheerful? Do you have anything ever to rejoice that God has done? He says, let him sing. So again, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. The psalmist also gives us insight into how we're to worship the Lord as well. Look at our text there. He says, oh, sing to the Lord. Look at this phrase, a new song, a new song. That's another repeated refrain in the book of Psalms. Sing to the Lord a new song. Now, when the Bible says, sing to the Lord a new song, the idea there is fresh expressions of praise and worship. And I think that applies both in our songs, as well as in our singing, that there should be fresh expressions of worship. Let me explain what I mean by that. Fresh expressions of worship in our song use. That is, that we do consciously, at times, use new songs or unfamiliar songs to break up the routineness of our worship and our singing. And I think this is important. If you're a musical worship leader, that you pay attention to that. And I also think it's important for congregations, as well that we realize that we don't want to get into ruts and routines and and regimens it's important to stretch and to sing to the lord at times a, a fresh expression something that's new let me also say i think however that that should be done in moderation because the goal of a musical worship leader if you are one the goal of a musical worship leader is to draw people into worship is to help and facilitate an atmosphere of praise and worship as they're leading others musically and in singing to assist the congregation to enter into worshiping the Lord, engaging in worshiping, experiencing the worship of God. And sometimes an overemphasis of newness in music or too much novelty in songs or in a whole song service can actually quench the spirit as well. Because what begins to happen is it distracts or inhibits the worshipers because people can't resonate with what's happening. And what can tend to happen, if not careful, is people then disengage, they stop singing, and they watch a concert. And all of a sudden, there's been a disconnect and they're not worshiping because they can't resonate and track and follow along because the cumbersomeness of a song or the too much novelty. I, I can tell you this as a common joke, simple, familiarity is usually what helps about 98% of people to sing and to engage so I think there needs to be moderation with this concept of singing a new song now when it says sing a new song I also think that indicates freshness not just in a song use but I also think it indicates freshness in our singing as worshippers and let me explain what I mean by that that our heart is currently engaged and involved in the moment when we're singing that, that even as, let me use this illustration, even as we may be singing a very familiar song where you don't even need to look at the projection screens or the words because you know that song so well. It, it's a song you've been singing for years and you know it so well and the lyrics are locked in and you can close your eyes and yet somehow you're singing a very old song but all of a sudden takes on new meaning because of what you're going through in your life right now. And all of a sudden, as you're singing that song, it impacts you in a brand new way. And it becomes so fresh and so real as you're singing that song because your heart is engaged in the moment and somehow it just resonates with you in the inward man. And a song you know takes on all new meaning in that expression of adoration and worship because your heart's engaged. Again, Jesus said, God's to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. And may we truly be worshiping in the spirit as we're singing the truths of those songs. Again, the Bible warns that we be careful that we're never guilty of worshiping God with our lips and our hearts, what? Being far from him. Again, we want to worship with our whole heart. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. The idea is be in the moment. Be in the moment. There should be passion. There should be a sense of, Lord, take away the distractions and think about what you're singing and let it be a prayer resonating to God as it comes forth and you worship the Lord. Also, notice another emphasis or reason why we should sing to the Lord as a part of our worship. He mentions in verse two here for us, and that is this, sing to the Lord, and then he makes that refrain, bless his name bless his name now a person's name represents who they are the intention and idea here bless his name is sing to the lord so that you can bless the lord so that you can minister to the lord do something that brings pleasure and satisfaction and enjoyment to him oftentimes i'll be the first to admit i love when god blesses me don't you the Lord blesses you in some way and, and, and you go, oh man, Lord, you're so good. I can't believe you blessed me like this. You made this happen or you provided or you worked in this way or you opened this door. Or you, you know, And the Lord is the master of pouring His blessings into our lives. And what happens? When the Lord blesses you, you feel joy and satisfaction and happiness and we can all relate to occasions, can't you? When in some way, the Lord blessed in some situation. But do we ever pause... And think responsibly, hmm. I wonder how I could bless him. I wonder how I could bless the Lord. I wonder how I could let him feel some of what I feel when he blesses me. I wonder how I could bless the Lord. Well, Psalm 104 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I will bless the Lord at all times, the psalmist says. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So that's why he says here, Sing to the Lord, bless his name somehow i don't understand it but as we sing to the lord it blesses him it blesses him has he blessed you do you want to bless him in return he says sing to me that blesses me when you sing to me tony it blesses me it brings happiness to me in the same way we do certain things maybe it's christmas time and maybe you want to get a certain special gift for the kids or for your spouse or someone and, and you think oh i, mean, I I can't wait to get it. They're going to be so blessed when they get this. And you're doing it purposely with the goal of wanting to touch their heart in a special way and bless them. That's the idea here spiritually, that we would approach singing to the Lord. Apparently, this is a way where we can say, wow, I I want to bless God. I want to make God happy. I just want to bless his heart. So I am going to sing to him whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to think about that that's not the reason to make me blessed. I want to bless his heart. And and the best way I can illustrate it is this. As a dad, there have been numerous times over the years where my daughters have written me for a Christmas gift and have just told me things that were edifying, that they appreciated about me and who I was. And I'll tell you something, you could not give me a million dollars that would make me feel better than hearing those sentiments. And see, I think in the same way, when we sing to the Lord from our hearts, it, it blesses his heart it blesses his heart. You know, I love that song, blessed be your name in a land that's plentiful when streams of abundance. Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When the sun's shining down as me on the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And this wonderful thing to realize that as we sing to the Lord, we can actually bless him in return to let him experience some of what we experience as he blesses us well look how the psalmist goes on he then says verse 2 continuing proclaim the good news of his salvation day to day declare his glory among the nations his wonders among all people so as we seek to honor the lord in song through worship notice it allows us the opportunity to make verbal proclamation out loud in an audible way where we, as well as others around us, can hear of his great work. So he particularly says we should do it by proclaiming the good news of his salvation. That is the good news of how though we are all sinners and though we all fall short of the glory of God, that God loves us and God took initiative to save us and sent his son Jesus to come to this earth to live sinlessly and to never fail like we all do, and then that Jesus stepped in and sacrificially died in our place on that cross. And he rose again the third day so that now as the risen Savior, he can provide salvation. He can provide forgiveness. And the good news of that, that we can receive that by faith, he says also that we could declare his wonders and his glory among all people to assert or affirm the glory of how great God is and all the wonders of the things that he's done. You know, one of the songs that we sing says, wonderful, so wonderful is your unfailing love. Your cross has spoken mercy over me. No eye is seen, nor ear is heard. No heart could fully know how glorious, how beautiful you are. Beautiful one, I love you. Beautiful one, I adore. Beautiful one, my soul must sing. Powerful, so powerful, your glory fills the skies your mighty works displayed for all to see, the beauty of your majesty awakes my heart to see how marvelous, how wonderful you are." You know, pay attention, so many of the worship songs, the hymns, the lyrics, and themes that express these realities are about the good news of his salvation, how wonderful of a God he is, the works he has done and is doing, and as we sing them, They allow us in this musical way to announce, to proclaim and declare the wonders and the glory of God. We all know, would we agree this morning, that music is a powerful medium, is it not? Music is a powerful medium that greatly influences and stirs human beings. Guess who knew that before we figured it out? The God that created us. The God that created us and designed us that way he knows the power of music and singing, how it moves and affects people deeply, how it stirs people in the inward person, emotions, their thoughts. And as we sing the Lord, we're proclaiming the realities of his glory. We're reinforcing those things as we say them and they move and stir human beings in a powerful way. As we hear ourselves saying them, as we hear others saying them, I think that's maybe why Psalm, or excuse me, Ephesians five nineteen says this. Interesting, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Interesting, you know, God knew first that music's melody and words, literally, we say this what gets stuck in our head, right? I mean, isn't that true? You hear a song on the radio, or, and it's like it sticks like a glue to it, music does. And it gets stuck in your head. Now, that's a good thing. That can be a really bad thing as well. So be careful what you listen to. You know, just a week or two ago, we sang a song here. I think it was when we sang a song, Lord, reign in me, reign in your power. And you know, after the service, we're about all out of here and cleaning up and just a few of us left and we're standing here in the sanctuary and I hear one of my daughters, I won't say which one, in the ladies' bathroom. Lord, rain in me, rain in. Now, teenagers don't do that kind of stuff. But there's just something contagious, something that gets stuck in you, and right, you know, it's like you're just not even conscious. It just starts coming out. And this is why, again, it is good to worship and sing to the Lord. God's a wise God. He knew this. He knew this, and wonderful because see. That's why the Bible even says here, verse 2, to do it day by day, to let worship be a style of our life, not just relegated to the sanctuary walls, but every day, because rather than us being overwhelmed with life circumstances, rather than us focusing on maybe you know our own feelings and moods that go up and down in our thoughts, instead, if we're proclaiming and singing unto the Lord throughout our lives as God's people, the wonderful thing is... That's what ends up being our thought and our focus. So instead of singing the blues, we're singing about the glory and somehow that consumes our thoughts and meditation then. We have something much more higher and wonderful and it lets us be a good testimony as he says, verse three there, among all people. Now, as if the psalmist would need to, he actually gives us in the next few verses here some other reasons why we should worship. Look at verse 4. He says, For the Lord is great. Now, how much more straightforward can that be stated? Do you need to worship. a reason to worship the Lord, he says? Well, because the Lord is great. He's great. He's great in who He is. Do you know anyone else that loving, that patient, that kind, that powerful, that awesome, that wonderful? Do you... Do you know anyone else that is as great in what he has done in the past? What he's done in your life as you look back over the years? What he's doing in your life right now? I mean, just consider your life. Consider your life and tell me you can't say, Wow, the Lord's great. He's great. Amazing what he has done, how he works. So he says, do you want a reason to worship? He says, because the Lord is great and therefore he goes on, verse 4, because of that he is greatly to be praised. One translation renders that, and most worthy to be praised. The idea is that he's so deserving of praise. The point is, there's indeed great reason and basis and purpose to sing to the Lord and to worship Him in that way. And and let me say this this morning. If you lack enthusiasm or interest in singing to the Lord in worship, I would recommend this. Just get to know Him better. Just get to know Him better. Because an amazing thing happens, anyone knows it as they begin to experience it, and as you get to know the Lord better, and I'm not just talking intellectually, but experientially, as you get to know the Lord better, there's an automatic response to want and desire to praise Him, to sing to Him. Listen, I never had much interest in singing before I became a Christian. I became a Christian a year after I graduated high school. I never had much interest in singing at all. But then I got radically saved. And the Lord just started working in my life. And I started going to these gatherings of other people that were saved. And they were all singing to the Lord. And I was like, yeah, Yeah, I want to sing to the Lord. And all of a sudden, it was just, it was a natural thing. It was an automatic response because it was the overflow of just experiencing the Lord in my life. And if you lack enthusiasm, passion, or interest, or when the worship and singing goes on, if you're one of these, you need to get to know God better, man. You need to experience the Lord. You know, when I fell in love with my wife, nobody had to tell me to do nothing for that woman. I wanted to do everything for her. I wanted to bless her and impress her because I was in love. Still am. I always tell her, time, it's a good thing I'm not rich. She would be the most spoiled brat on the planet if I was rich. But it was a natural response. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a natural thing. And when you experience the greatness of the Lord... I, I, let me say that, I don't know how you can worship him. There's almost a sense, right, you need to do it. You need to worship the Lord. You need, there's this compelling thing within. It's a, As you experience his greatness, that, I believe, is God's ideal for the child of God, that we would sing and express worship to the Lord in that way. He goes on, verse 4, to say, He is to be feared above all gods, For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord, the psalmist says, verse 5, made the heavens. So notice, as human beings, we've been created by God purposely in a way that we would be worshipers. God created you exactly the way He created you. And He's created us all, designed us with drives and desires to be worshipers in some sense. Now, the psalmist here reminds us everybody worships something. Every person has a god at least little g-o-d everybody has a god in their life some master passion something that rules them their greatest motivation what drives them it can be a physical possession that somebody worships it can be some person another human being where people worship and idolize you can worship and idolize one of your children you can worship and idolize somebody you're romantically inclined towards You can worship and idolize some pursuit in life or some passion or some pleasure, some substance you abuse or some sinful craving. It's the thing that drives you and it dictates and controls what you do, don't do. It consumes your thoughts. It's the highest motivator within you for why you're living the way you're living and what you're doing. Everybody worships something. And that's normal. We're created to worship. We're created to worship. The tragedy is, When people worship other things, they become worthless idols because they've been given an exalted place that they should not have in our lives. And here's the unfortunate thing in that as well, not just that it dishonors the one true and living God. Typically, when people wrongly worship the wrong thing, it's to the detriment of the worshiper. Because as people worship anything other, anyone other than the one true and living God, they usually become a worse person. Pay attention to your life. Is what you're worshiping and so highly esteemed, it's become so important to you, or they become so important to you, is it making you a better person? Is it making you a, a, a better follower of Christ? Because if it isn't, you're probably worshiping something and you've idolized something wrongly. See, we're all created Either we will worship what is made up of mankind and among mankind, or we will worship the God who made all mankind. And this is why the psalmist here is saying, our God, the living God, the true God, the great God, he says here, he is to be feared above all gods. He is to be reverenced and exalted and worshiped. We should have an awe and a reverence for the Lord who is so much greater. And he even gives us a clear example here in verse 5. He says, because the Lord made the heavens. He's the creator of all things, not just on Earth alone, but all the universe, including the stellar heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the galaxies, the solar systems, as well as He's the maker of the eternal heavenly realm and all of its glory and splendor and majesty. Now, I'm not a rocket science, and don't say amen to that. I'm not a rocket science. But when I realize that he is the maker of all those things, I'd say that puts the Lord quite a few notches above anything or anyone else in his importance, in his greatness, in his superiority. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 113, who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high. That's why the first commandment in the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other gods before me. Hey, this morning, let me ask you a searching question. Please be honest. Evaluate your life and devotion. Is there anything, or is there anyone right now that's before the Lord? If so, God would say that's idolatry. And it needs to be enthroned and the way to dethrone it is to refocus on worshiping the Lord and giving him that first and proper place once again. Verse six, he goes on to say, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So he describes there the atmosphere and the presence of God. When the Bible says before him, the idea is in his presence, In his presence, notice, in the presence of God, honor and majesty is being rendered to him as a great king. Before him, people are using their strength, it says here, to adore him because of his beauty. Now, that was historically true in the sanctuary, in the temple in the days of Israel. That is also true in the literal sanctuary of God eternally around heaven's throne. Read Revelation 4 and 5, and you'll see that that is what is happening there. Let me read you a portion of that. Revelation 4 says this Whenever the living creatures, that is the angels, give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, a representation of the saints in the church, Fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So that's what's happening literally. In the eternal sanctuary of God in heaven's dimension. And therefore, as we now meet in our sanctuary, if you would, here on earth, a place where we assemble for times of worship, we should be preparing now and participating in what our eternal destiny is. We should get very accustomed to worshiping God, singing to God, because that's going to be the primary occupation for all of eternity. That's why we should become accustomed to it because it's what we will do because it's what he's worthy of and that's what the psalmist goes on to say. Look verse 7 and 8. He says, Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Again, notice we find this purposeful repetition just like earlier. Another command and instruction that's reiterated three times. Three times we read give to the lord the idea there in the language means to rightly attribute to or to render credit properly now typically most people hear give to the lord and they expect the word money to be tagged on the backside of that but please look at what the bible is saying here it says give to the lord what does it say the glory do his name in a context of singing in a context of worship give to the Lord the glory due his name he deserves a measure of glory that he rightly deserves and that we owe to give to him Right? And it's the same way people maybe have the, the privilege to meet some high ranking official maybe a king of a country or something and, you know, and, and people render a measure of, of glory and respect and reverence just because of who they are Well, we serve the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So the Bible says, look, there's a certain measure of glory that he's due, that he deserves, that we rightly should pay him. We're called to rightly attribute that glory, to give him that exaltation and praise because he's due that. In a sense, there should be truly a sense of obligation in my heart, a sense of duty that there's glory due his name. And I must give him that glory. I must properly have an outlet and an opportunity to give him that glory through singing, through worship. So, by way of application, that means this. Why should I worship the Lord day to day? To give him the glory that's to his name. Why should we as Christians faithfully attend church services and actively participate in them by singing and worship? The answer, to give to the Lord the glory to his name. And really, we could say to not do such for whatever the reasons or excuses may often be, in essence, is to then rob him, right? To rob him of the glory that's due his name. You know, it's a very sad thing, and I realize it happens though, certainly being in pastoral ministry over the years, that people sometimes get upset right, with Christians or churches and then they pull back and they don't go to church anymore. I'm a Christian. I'm just going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to church. And the sad thing in that is, what were they going to church for in the first place? The Christians? Or to give glory that's due His name? Okay, maybe I don't like that group of people anymore. But there's lots of other places where people are giving glory due to the name of my God, which is what I'm called to do. And it's a sad and unfortunate thing. My point is this, when you get cheesed off with me, please attend church somewhere else. Because there's glory to his name. And you should be somewhere with God's people, duty bound, saying, I need to give him the glory that's to his name. I need to worship and give to him my worship and my praise. Again, three times the Holy Spirit emphasizes, give to the Lord, give to the Lord, give to the Lord the glory and his name. This is why on Christmas Eve, whether you're local or you're traveling, this is why instead of forsaking a Christmas Eve service for all the family festivities, take your family to a Christmas Eve service and give the Lord the glory to his name because he's worthy of it. Look how the psalmist goes on. He then says, verse eight in the last half of it, bring an offering. And come into his courts. Again, in the Old Testament, they literally did this with an animal or portions of their crops. They'd take a portion of something that had personal value and worth and they would bring it to the Lord as a way of giving him worship. And they would take the time of their busy agricultural lifestyles, they worked hand to mouth day to day just to survive in that kind of a culture. But they would take time out of their busyness to make a trip to the temple grounds to bring their offering and come into God's courts. Well, how do we today in the grace of Christ, we're not under the law, but how do we in the grace of Christ do the same thing? Well, I can answer that for you. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says this, that we too should bring an offering. It says, therefore by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. God says, I'm not asking you to bring me a cow. I'm not asking you to bring to me, uh, but would you at least bring me worship? Would you bring me a, the fruit of your lips, rendering thanks, taking the time to come and to give to me an offering of worship that I deserve as your God and your King? He then says, verse 9, concluding, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, tremble before Him all the earth. As if we didn't get the point yet, right? As if we didn't get the point yet. Again, oh, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. And he says, in the beauty of holiness. Now, holiness speaks of being set apart for a special purpose. And the language here seems to indicate it's not talking about God's holiness, but our holiness. In the sense of this, there's something very beautiful when we come before the Lord offering Him not just an hour of attendance on a Sunday morning, but offering Him a holy life a holy life that refrains from living in ways that displease Him or are dishonorable and we live a life set apart in holiness and then we bring that holy life and we take the time to bring that holy life unto the Lord and to sit in His presence and you know what? God is saying, boy, there's something really beautiful in that, the beauty of holiness. To see a holy son, a holy daughter here worshiping me because they want to please me. And they worship me all week with a holy life, and then they bring that to me in the midst of the people of God. He then says in conclusion there, and tremble before him all the earth. Now, that doesn't mean to tremble in terror, but in utter amazement. To tremble because of the awesomeness of God's presence, and that makes us properly tremble before the Lord. Again, what does the Bible say? draw near to God and He'll draw near to us. The idea there is as we seek Him, He rewards us with a greater awareness and experience of His presence. And I found this. I think you'll agree. When you experience the presence of God, particularly in relation to times of worship and so forth, it makes you tremble in a healthy way. In a way where you're just somewhat in a wonder, just overwhelmed with His presence. So let us not Rob God of the glory to his name and let us not rob ourselves of the purpose and reason of the fullness of the spiritual life of worshiping the Lord. Perhaps for some of us an adjustment may be needed in some way in regards to these things. Let's stand together. Let's pray.